Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 393 on Tuesday, the 27th of April, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be not making any chip puns because even I'm bored of them now. We investigate how the spark went out of Formula E last weekend, and we find out just how French the French can get when they are designing a junction. But first, we go into follow-up. And no Dieselgate, you'll be pleased to hear. Yay! However, it is about the semiconductor processing chips and the, it, the so, constant... Sorry, just quickly, how long is it going to be before we start referring to this as Chipgate? <laughs> Well, it's not really a gate thing, is it? It's just that they're not there. So it's not that yeah, somebody's made a, you know, put deliberately bad chips in cars that have mm. taken over the world or anything. It's just they're not there. <laughs> if there were proper potato chips, they could be golden. Okay. Yes. Never mind. Right. Keep going. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Right. So I'm just going to rattle through this quickly. Ford are heavily impacted across the globe. So they're going to be hit in Turkey with the transit. The focus line in Germany is also going, it has has been inactive since last February, actually, and it's going to continue to be closed for another 20 days as of today. There is the Galaxy, the Cougar, the Mondeo, the S-Max and the Transit Connect are all stuffed until the 31st of July at the earliest. Fiesta and Puma production lines have been hit in Germany and Romania, and even the world's best-selling F-150 has been hit and will be impacted again from the 3rd of May. Uh, so that's that's not great, just a massive problem. JLR, they're going to be shutting down Castle Bromwich and Halewood, uh, for limited period of non-production is the quote in the Autocar article linked in the show <laughs> show notes. Yes. But they will still have the Solihull going, um, apparently. Uh, and their factory in Slovakia, Brazil and China, their factories in Slovakia, Brazil and China will continue to be in operation. As we know... Uh, um, I think this was an article you had a few weeks ago. JLR actually mm-hmm. circumvented their supplier and spoke to the chip manufacturer themselves to say, please give us some, <laughs> please, <Yeah>. sir. <laughs> uh, which seemed to have worked, but you know, it's that's not a long-term strategy. That was a short-term thing. Uh, and this is just a, a, a big thing for the industry full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercedes have announced when they did their earnings that they are going to they expect to be really badly hit uh, in the second quarter moving forward it's going to affect their sales Peugeot are trying to get round it or Stellantis are trying to get round this with Peugeot because they are no longer going to in the outrun of the 308 they're only going to fit the analog instrument cluster and not the digital setup that was part of the facelift from last year um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I think you're going to be a bit disappointed. At least they've if got you a semi worker in. Yeah, but they've got, they've got at least someone's going to get a car. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It depends who they're they're selling to. Really. Yeah. At that point, uh, Volkswagen has also mentioned that they expect to be hit. They are being impacted. So it's it's just such a massive, massive issue, which the car industry really didn't need as people come out of varying degrees of lockdown and look to spend mm-hmm. money again and buy cars they needed stuff to be out there so it's a it it's such a, a you know like a 
an extra kick in the teeth on top of everything else for them. It is, it is. But the, um, I mean, the the Japanese factory is coming back on mm-hmm. back on stream yep. uh, pretty soon. I imagine there'll be a, a fairly significant shift in procurement strategies for for these kind of components in the future. I think that's what that's the, that's the big learning out of this. Well, I think the global pandemic hammered it home to many people that secure supply chains are one vital and two really quite tricky today because companies are spread across the globe and needing similar materials, Mm -hmm. but that also impacts at national level. Yeah, absolutely. There isn't an easy answer and it's going to take many years to fix that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is going to be, when I say there's going to be changes in strategy, I mean, it's not going to be changes in practice until, you know, you can actually start to roll that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah, but good luck to everybody in the supply chain. Yeah, yeah, not much fun. Next up, a story that I saw this come up and thought, have we not talked about this before? And sure enough, we did talk about it in September last year, because at the time McLaren was looking to sell, well, to put in place a leaseback deal on the McLaren Technical Centre in Woking. They have now managed that with the investment firm GNL. Uh, They'll be getting £170 million from GNL for for the MTC, uh, which they will uh, lease back for the next 20 years, Mm. at least. It's not that they're intending on moving anywhere. It's not that they're doing anything like that. It's a way of releasing um, some of the money that they had uh, they had invested in the property and being able to then essentially buy it back uh, over the next 20 years. Yeah. I have to say, considering how McLaren helped out with the pandemic and everything, I do feel a bit sorry for them hmm. that they were rejected from government aid and yes. other companies that have not actually done anything have got the mm-hmm. aid. I, I do feel a bit for them. That's not to say that they haven't sort of brought this a little bit on themselves for their own financial situation before the pandemic. But equally, it does look a little little harsh in, in treatment. Does. I do feel a bit sorry for them because they, they were looking for, in the region of the 200 million for the... Oh, for this, I was about to say that, yes. So they didn't quite get the 200 million at the 170 million. I hope it's enough for them to keep going and they don't have to let any more stuff go. Ditto, because we all like McLaren. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, new news, Andrew. New news now, and uh, oh, not great news, I'm afraid, but this year's Tokyo Motor Show has been cancelled, and that's the first time the show has been cancelled in 67 years. I didn't realise it happened. Was it postponed last year, or...? Uh, no, it did actually happen last year. Mm. Yeah, it took place. But this is set to happen a month or so after the Olympic Games. So that, to me, makes me, well, I have been wondering for a little while, the yes. the pig-headedness of some of the people in charge of the Olympic Games seems to be, no, it's going to happen. Really? Are you sure? Because your figures are going the wrong way. <laughs> We are talking about the Olympic Organising Committee here, aren't yeah. we? There's, there's quite a lot of money at stake. Yes, well. Mm. Anyway, uh, the bits that we want to talk about. So the uh, the motor show is going to be cancelled, and that is massive shame that they can't can't work around it. But mm. I can understand it. They want they want to do it live. Well, that's what they're saying. It really that we could do a live. They could have done a, a virtual experience. 
type thing, but he said, no, the auto show covers everything, motorbikes, mini cars, large vehicles, passenger cars, as well as other industries and mobility as well. So it, it really doesn't work in a sort of virtual sense. I'm sorry, but I was going to say he's saying that that's the chairman of the Japan Automobile Manufacturers Association, uh, who are the event organizer, and the chairman currently is uh, Toyota CEO Akio Toyoda. I was trying to work that one to eke that one out and hope I wouldn't say that. Uh, Shall I talk about some more Japanese car news? Yes. Connected cars. Mm. One of our favorite topics. Well, something which I think is quite cool. Andrew, different. But Toyota, Suzuki, Subaru, Daihatsu, and Mazda are going to all work together on the next generation of inter-vehicle communications. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to cloud or sort of common cloud uh, communications. They are all going to use a protocol developed by Toyota. This is all the stuff behind or between the car and the user, owner, manager of said vehicle. So the vehicle systems will be proprietary as much as possible. I mean, Toyota and Daihatsu are the same company. So the vehicle systems will be proprietary. The All the infrastructure and whatever app type thing you use to find out the status of your vehicle and all that kind of stuff will be proprietary on the sort of manufacturer's own infrastructure or infrastructure they lease probably the vehicle communication device and the device center between them will all speak a common language between all of those manufacturers it's a nerdy background thing but it's quite it's it's really important important as we move towards stuff um and it's cool to see that there's actually and the emergence of a standard at least between the japanese manufacturers except for nissan they're french okay they won't like that that got someone had to be removed in a musical box to escape making such statements. Yes. <laughs> Just watch well, yourself. <laughs> it is kind of funny. It's 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 all the ones who are well, yeah. There's always Nissan, isn't there? Well, I no, this is very important and much as I'm I'm not mad keen on connecting cars, if you are going to connect them, they need to be able to speak to each other. It's basically hmm. Work. Everyone having the same charging socket and format. Yeah. But for, but <laughs> you say for data, that. you say that. But the Japanese, the Japanese standardize on Chadamo as opposed to um, CCS. <laughs> Maybe not the best example, but yes. But speaking in a common format and mm-hmm. standard, and that that is needed, and we're going to need it. That that should really be a global thing, to be honest. But I doubt we'll ever get to that. Well, quite. It has to start somewhere, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. I think that takes us to Honda. And talking of new news, uh, and the they Honda has what feels like finally announced a strategy, any strategy, just some sort of strategy, please, Honda, because you you do well. I feel they've been sort of lost and treading water for a few years. And I well, worried you've, you've about... You've got a Type R and everything else. Really. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was beginning to seriously worry about them, uh, particularly when you look at the... in Just looking only at this country, obviously, but the new car registration figures seem to be dropping consistently. 
mm. um, which was a worry. But they, what they've stated is that they intend to stop selling combustion engines globally by 2040. And this is all part of a £33.5 billion development drive, which actually, when you read through the details in the Autocar article, which is written by Felix Page, there's a lot of stuff they are trying to do yeah. in a relatively short space of time. I think it can be strongly argued they are very late to getting to this point. Let's Honda are a funny company, so let's say they're very late to commercializing it. Okay. Quite often they develop stuff, but they don't. I just don't always feel they're great at commercializing their stuff, their, their technologies. Mm-hmm. Okay, Doug. Um, but by 2030, they plan for 40% of their sales to be pure electric or fuel cell vehicles, rising to 80% five years later and 100% by 2040. They are going to offer exclusively electrified passenger cars in Europe by the end of 2022. So that's actually quite a quick movement because they've mm. gone from nothing to that, you know, or a large alternator to. Well, uh, no, I, 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 I know they've e got well. the fuel cell. They've they've developed the fuel cell, but to offer it out yep. from, I mean, considering when we started the podcast, they didn't have no. An no, electric version, anything like that. So they have moved quite quickly on that front. But, but well, yeah. Apart from you know the insights, the two generations of insight over the last twenty years or something. So, but I think that's more what you were saying before. That they develop the stuff, but not commercialize it. Exactly, and and you know they did it with fuel cells in in California as well with the Clarity. Mm. Again, fuel cells, they're nothing. Again, this it all goes back to that. They feel like they're treading water. Hmm. Yes, I'm very happy that they've got some sort of plan now, or they've announced the plan. They've they've probably had plans before, but just never announced it. But they've announced it to the public now, so we know what they're trying to do. Oh, I, they needed it. They just vitally needed it. Yes, that Honda did not have in a great. They're not. They've not been in a brilliant place at the minute. No. No. I know you can't actually go there, Alan, but do your best to take us to France. Ah, yes. For the first of this evening's three visits, it's a new French law coming in, and it's about route planning apps and police police notifications or notifications of where the police are. Well, the plan is a ban on the diffusion of any messages that signal the presence of police forces on electronic services that help with driving or navigation by geolocation. The idea of this really, in the first place, is, is a ban on the signaling of uh, roadblocks for counterterrorism or drug or alcohol testing. The big worry is that it will move from there to be speed traps. And this is, of course, stuff like Waze and another app which I've, I've come across called Coyote, okay. uh, which signals signals the locations of speed cameras and temporary speed stars. So yes, there's a, a plan of that. So it's no information sharing applied for a maximum of two hours if police checks are related to drugs or alcohol, up to 12 hours in other cases within a perimeter of two kilometers in urban areas and 10 kilometers elsewhere. Uh, app developers who fail to comply with the new rules will face good face two years in prison and fine of up to 30,000 euros. The rules are expected to come into effect from the 1st of November 2021. Lots of this, this is a fallout of the Charlie Hebdo attacks in 2015 mm-hmm. um, where the people 
the Kuachi brothers who carried out the attacks uh, uh, are said to have escaped the police. Well, they did escape the police for some time, but supposedly in part that was thanks to alerts through a ways to know where police were and to go around them. And to be honest, it is a bit of an issue in France. The drivers do have a habit of, of knowing where the alcohol test stops are uh, on Friday and Saturday nights and taking roundabout routes to avoid them um, with quite a high drink driving uh, rate in rural France anyway. Yeah, it's it's a balance, isn't it, between the um, safety of the many against the of the privacy and safety of the one. Yes, yes. It does make me wonder why it's not been such a big issue in other countries, though. Hmm. Or maybe it's just not been found as being such a big issue. It's not that it isn't an issue. It's just that it doesn't think of- they had the number of high-profile attacks. Well, they did. Yeah, and I think that's probably that's the uh, the flip side from that. So yes, uh, if you want to know more about that story from the English language French newspaper, the Connexion, uh, will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Andrew, some auction news. Yeah, and uh, this is that the uh, online uh, car auction site, the market, has been bought by Bonhams, mm-hmm. which sort of came a bit left field. I have to say, I was didn't know that they were interested in the market. The market has continued to do uh, well since they pivoted from sort of the car history project that was called Patina and created this um, this place where, uh, if, I, if I think I'm correct in saying that the adverts are written f- for the owners by people who, cr- who are paid to write articles and and stuff like that because we've had friend of the show haven't we he's been involved uh yes yeah Yeah, he was saying today that it's very much a one-stop shop type setup they will come collect the car from you do the photography write the article and then and then it gets delivered out from there i mean they've just built a big new warehouse somewhere south of here and uh, a big new warehouse and and then they, they sort of deliver it out from there so you you don't have to deal with buyers and things so it's all quite quite smart it sounds great and obviously they'll take a chunk that represents for them to make a profit on doing all that and making all mm. those steps but it, it does seem like a a much better system than the we buy any car will give you a price yet when we see the car the price changes dramatically <laughs> i think it's a different uh sort of sort of focus end of the market to be honest yeah yeah, yeah um, but yeah it, it's quite but it's that that whole idea of look you give us your car for a fee we will sort everything out for you and mm-hmm. you will get a fair price on the back of it. No, people and, and listeners and, and other friends of the show who have used them uh, and, and speak very, very highly of them indeed. So there we go. Long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. But apparently they, they're going to continue as as is, um, just with the addition of opening up to Bonham's customers and their extended market. So good luck. I mean, you're doing a good job. Yeah, they've been left to get on with it, essentially. Yes. New, new car news. Yes. Just a couple tonight. Uh, we're just going to zip through them. First of which, to keep with the Honda theme, is the new 2021 Honda HRV. Okay, everyone, it's time to get excited about BSUV. Oh, no, you can't get excited about BSUVs. Uh, it's going to be hybrid only, 129 brake horsepower. It's Atkinson's one and a half litre Atkinson cycle four cylinder petrol engine, pair of electric motors. As I said 129 brake, 187 pound foot uh so it's a little bit more powerful than the jazz 
but it's also slightly bigger than the Jazz. The back seats will do clever foldy things, as you would expect from a small Honda. And other than that, it kind of looks like a generic current generation small SUV. I don't think you'll ever really notice them on the roads. I think we've covered that one. Yeah, box that one off perfectly there. Your turn for a homogenous vehicle. <laughs> the uh, the new look 2021 Volkswagen Golf, oh, no, sorry, Polo, that looks like a Golf, <laughs> ever increasingly looks like a Golf. But this time... Uh, they have added to keep in line with the rest of the range as it's being updated. So it's going to have things like the LED light strip that runs the full width of the radiator grill, which is a nice touch, I think, because mm-hmm. I've seen, was it the Merc one on one of their SUVs? And that just looked daft. But this one is... It looks good on the Mark 8 Golf. It looks good on the on the Volkswagen. Uh, the way they've done it is slightly more subtle and conservative in its execution, as you would expect. The The surprising thing for me in all this is they are not going to offer an electrified version. So there's no hybrid, there's no electric version as we as this uh, is announced. Um, so it's going to be the same petrol engine, so ranging from 79 horsepower to 108. Yeah, Polo is a Polo, and this one is obviously going to be that much better. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll see i really want to try one i haven't driven a, a polo for ages and i really want to try a polo so I, I want to try this new one one of the reasons there's no plan for an electrified powertrain is of course that uh, volkswagen is planning an ev below the id3 which i would imagine given current nomenclature will be called the id2 i, I mean i wouldn't open a book on it being anything else but i reckon it's money saving as well yes it will be yeah it's, it's easier to to do one platform for that and one platform for electric Yes, Simples. Right, take us take us to a new Hyundai then. The car of a thousand puns, a Hyundai Kona N. And we won't be saying any of them. No, there's a list you know. Yes. There's a list of naughty people who make who make puns involving involving former governors of California and Mitsubishi trim levels and <laughs> things like that. So so we're not going there, but the Kona N will be based on, funnily enough, the newly facelifted Kona. It'll have a 2.2-litre turbo petrol engine, 280 brake horsepower and 392 newton metres. Not 62, 5.5 seconds using launch control that have an 8-speed NDCT uh, dual-clutch automatic gearbox. It'll be around about £30,000 when it goes on sale later in the year. As ever with these, uh, with the N-Line Hyundai, they have um, had the touch of the touch of Beerman. Um, so Beerman has been at them. So it's not, there is more than what I've just, just gone through. So yeah. uh, you've got uprated brakes, calipers, the steering, the steering system is different. It's got, is this the one I was reading about earlier on with the dustable dampers? Probably is. Double rear roof spoilers. Do they have a limited slip dip? diff as well electronic limited slip diff it's got uh it does what it also has is a boost button ngs boost button on the steering wheel which gives you more power uh for overtaking for about 20 seconds or so top speed superb (laughs) yeah can you imagine pressing a red ngs i'm reading this from rory white on yes auto so it's it's ngs which is n grin shift 
supposedly, which maximizes the engine and gearbox performance for 20 seconds. Pressing a red NGS button on the steering wheel begins a 20-second countdown timer and maximum boost for overtaking if, say, you're in one of the car's team of driving modes. In this mode, you get an extra 10 horsepower. Uh, there's also track, sense, shift. There's grin control system there's a power shift oh there's all there's acronyms galore it looks really cool i want one i was, I was gonna say we've just talked about a bland looking b segment suv i think the coat i think hyundai have done well to make the kona stand out a bit we've got quite a few round our way uh, of these so they are they are popular uh, i mm. think they're a good size for a lot of people uh, yeah. and making them a little bit hotter. I'll be interested to see whether it's, an it's SUV quite a lot hotter can be Sorry. fun. Uh, or, oh, are we going down that road? Are we? No, no, Go but I, I've not... Uh, see, I've not driven an SUV that has been breathed on or is intended to be sporty. Even the Kona EV will leave will leave number 11s on the road. So I, w- I would be interested to try this to see whether it's overcomes my just natural skepticism okay i'm, I'm open to the idea of it I, really i don't moved, sound I, it i have progressed i have grown you sound like you're these... mojoing like mad no, you'll no, be no. complaining it doesn't have a manual gearbox next and i'm not saying that it, w- it won't be because they've they've clearly thrown a lot of engineering and money at developing this and as we know as we i think we spoke about recently we don't expect them when it, particularly when it comes to the end, they don't do something by just throwing a badge on it and going, that'll do. It is not half-bottomed. No. No. Right, on that cheery note. Are you done? I think that's you the done? end of the first part. <laughs> okay, you are done then. Great. Awesome. Yes, this means it's Guilt Minute, that quick break in the show when we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel a motoring podcast worth small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking rating show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that and some of you do, because you're awesome, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you. There is uh, motor racing this week. <laughs> there was, yes. <laughs> there was at the weekend. There was quite a lot of motor racing. Unfortunately, I'm going to hold my hand up here and say I saw none of it because I was doing family things with people I haven't seen for a long time. I make no apologies. No, I was working. Apart from when I make the apologies in the next little Oh, you poor little thing. So, first up, Formula E, obviously. 333 Racing is the latest manufacturer to announce Formula E Generation 3 commitment. We've covered what that means before. Yes, that's from Season 9. That's good, because I thought they were at real risk of not entering. Yes, nobody was quite sure about Neo. Mm. Um, And people were a little bit sceptical about some of the others, because, of course, BMW i Andretti Racing have not signed up for it, and neither has Audi Sport Abt. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because Volkswagen Group is there already via Porsche. Mm-hmm. So that's good Good news. I, I think that it's going to be hard for them not to have a grid for Season 3, which is which is excellent news. Yep. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, 
Uh, they were back-to-back at Valencia this weekend. Now, this was very unusual because this was Formula E on a race circuit. Dun-dun-dun. Was not the just first that. time since uh, Don- Donington and pre-season testing? <laughs> yes. Other than Donington pre-season testing is the first time. There is another thing, which is this is the first ever fully wet race in Formula E. It's not the only first, though, that finished. <laughs> it's not the only first. So the thing is... The thing is that, sure, the, the race circuit thing, yeah, race circuit, whatever. I don't know how much of a difference that would have made. However, the wet race, in turn, led to a number of safety cars during the race on Saturday. In fact, it led to five, five safety cars. Five. Uh, five safety cars, including one really, really close to the end when there were only two laps left. Now, the thing about the safety cars in Formula E, which isn't normally an issue, and it it does keep the pack balanced, is that there is a rule where they take away a kilowatt kilowatt per per minute per lap under the safety car, which normally is just fine. We see it. It's noted. What it does is it keeps everything a bit balanced and it stops some people ending up with ridiculous advantages. It's a little bit contrived, but it has worked. It has been in place since 2019, the the season then. There's never been an issue with it. It just keeps stuff balanced and stops there being too much craziness after the safety car. But there's a reason for that. One of the reasons why it was, okay, it was wet, but there has never been five safety cars. There's never been five safety cars, and then they released them with two laps to go. And the other added issue here is why was there so many safety cars? Because people got beached in gravel or on the gravel mm. traps, which there isn't in all the other tracks because it's either an Arnco or they've gone off and hidden behind some barriers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, so that's so what happens. The, the circuits normally are geared to maintain the racing for as much as possible. Mm. Whereas here, the with a I don't want to say proper racetrack, but you know what I mean, a dedicated racetrack, it is to the safety of the drivers first. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Well, there's a the, the way Formula E cars are built is different from some of the other Formula cars in that they they are inherently safer anyway. Hence, mm. you don't need all of that and the speed limiting, etc. It's you know the the fact that they can only reach. Formula E works as a system between the type of car it is, the type of circuits it is, and one is designed for the other. Yeah. Uh, when you put them on a, a a big racetrack, it's like trying to put a rally car onto onto a racetrack. It it just doesn't fit. It's not designed for the same thing. It would be interesting to know because I didn't get to see it either. But it'd be interesting to know how much the wet contributed to the issues or was it the fact they were on a dedicated racetrack that perhaps people got a little bit enthusiastic or the cars weren't able to deal with it you know it's all the challenge things. is that this was the first one and you can't compare it with the sunday race because of course by then everyone's told look just bro, calm down and don't let that happen again yes. so you don't know what's been said in the background well because i mean i think i think you need to explain what happened actually sorry we, i've cut you off before you even got to that point about how many people didn't finish how many people got disqualified i have actually lost track of how many people didn't finish and get disqualified but essentially some people thought they went for the dash uh, dash to the line for the last two laps after the safety car and others didn't uh, and what that meant was that 
people got to the end. And of course, because it was electronically limited, it let them keep going. And it was only then that they discovered that they had gone over the energy budgets, essentially. So the people who passed the line first uh, didn't didn't quite win, but people who were slower then did, but not physically because it was footed around with afterwards. And I'm really sorry, but it's such a... I don't, I don't really know. I can't pretend I, I, I know that. But however, I, what I can tell you, though, are the top three... Uh, of the race results. In fact, I can give you more than that, but it's probably not very interesting. The race was won by Nick DeVries from Mercedes-Benz. Uh, Nico Muller from Dragon and Penske Autosport came in second. And Stoffel van Doorn uh, came in third for, for once again, uh, Mercedes-Benz EQ. Mercedes needed that. Uh, they did, because they've not been doing very much. To claw back on Jaguar. They, Jaguar had been doing well. Yes, Jaguar had been doing very well indeed. Sunday, however, seems to have been far more controlled and grown up. <laughs> and possibly because knuckles were wrapped and 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 things and words were said, it turned out to be what I'm told was, was a, a really good race uh, without the safety cars, or at least as many safety cars, and without all the, the fuss because 23 out of 24... Uh, drivers finished as opposed to nine out of 24 ending up with points uh, as happened on the Saturday. So on the Sunday, Alex Lynn from Mahindra Racing came in third. Andre Lotterer for Porsche, tag her Porsche uh, Formula E came in second. And Jake Dennis, a newbie to the newbie to the series, uh, mm-hmm. uh, came in first for BMW i Andretti Motorsport. Well done. Yeah, excellent. Good work. <sighs> Deep breath. Uh, there'll be links to more about that and more analysis as ever from the race.com uh, in our show notes. Yeah. Andrew, quick skip through the WRC and Sebastian Ogier's hilarious weekend. Yes. Uh, Ogier won on the final power stage of the Rally uh, Croatia, which from the pictures I saw over the weekend looked absolutely stunning. Um, so that's that's great that that uh, that um, looks so lovely and and people are really into it. Because just a quick reminder, that was a new. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was a new <laughs> event. Yes, their first one there. OJ was uh, in the lead Sunday morning, but then had a slight issue with a member of the public in their incredibly quick BMW that wasn't noticed came up on his inside and they bumped into each other quite violently which caused quite a bit of damage to uh, OJ's car. There was a kerfuffle and mess and fuss about that and how that was dealt with. There will be a link in the show notes to the penalties OJ and Toyota suffered as a result of trying to sort out the mess of an accident on the public road. But he pipped his teammate, Elvin Evans, by 0.6 of a second for the overall victory of the rally when he was 3.9 seconds behind Evans going into the last power stage. Considering his car was damaged, and even with Evans running wide on the last corner, that is a hell of a drive. I read somewhere that it was the third closest finish to a WRC rally ever. Isn't Evans involved in another one with Mexico a few years ago? Possibly, but it was definitely the closest between two teammates. Mm. Because Evans, 
in Mexico bumped into a bridge on the last thing when he was ahead. Mm. And that That's cost true. him the victory, and it was going to be his first victory. Nouvelle was third, um, bringing in a podium for Hyundai, but they, uh, Octanic was fourth. He struggled, but it was definitely Toyota's. Toyota's weekend, um, although they've got some repairing to do because on top of that, the uh, Rovenpera had a, a really big off. They're both, yeah, both he serious. and his co-driver, uh, Haltonen, were fine, but the car was an utter mess, so much so that they couldn't even patch it together and then come out for some special stages at the end. No. So there to- we go, but it, but it looked lovely. They had great weather. It looked lovely. Oct- Octanic was not comfortable on the tarmac. That's fair enough because that's not really his his Thing. natural area to drive very quickly. And bit of issue in what should, was a nice smooth rally because of an accident leading up to the uh, start of Sunday. There we go. Yep. Take us to the lunchtime read. Can you um, oh. don your beret once more? And- yes. Well, this is the, I I like this one because it's 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 somewhere I've been. So yes. <laughs> There's a really good write-up of the on Car and Classic and the magazine part there uh, by Tom Wood about the Chateau of Savigny-les-Bones. Oh, where does it say Chateau of? Chateau de Savigny-les-Bones in Burgundy. And it's great with some pictures and a really nice description. And, and it's really a write-up that I've wanted to, to write for, for years and have never got around to doing it. And it's just showing what an awesome place it is. Uh, it's not just a car museum. It is also a... Well, it's not just a car collection. I don't know that describing it as museums always the best way. So essentially, it is a chateau in the middle of some of the best vineyards in the whole of France. Not biased at all, in any way. I am, I am biased to heck, by the way. <laughs> but they are. Uh, and there's a fantastic uh, the collection of a bath that are there the collections of bicycles that are there the chateau is full of there must be hundreds of motorcycles there's over a hundred french jets and bombers uh, in the ground i just got to that bit have you <laughs> and yeah helicopters <laughs> oh and helicopters yeah military helicopters uh none of which which run i mean the abbas are stunning by the way yeah, yeah and then there's the helicopters and then there's the collection of vine tractors they look amazing i'd spend hours there these crazy you can't you should you should basically plan to spend most of the day and then just do lunch uh, or spend the morning there and then do lunch at the the cafe uh, just on the just in the square just beside the car park but the vine tractors are just just nuts uh, again it ties in with the being vineyards around about and then there are the jets and an amazing collection of french and and russian um uh, jets and helicopters last time i was there was a collection of of fire engines as well <laughs> as well as some really weird things like the last remaining navi plane which is a combination of a light aircraft not and a hovercraft or was that what it's called yeah and there's another thing which was like a helicopter gyrocopter with propellers going forwards as well um okay. yeah. just the shell of that Absolutely crazy. If you're interested in stuff that moves, and if you're interested in wine, because of course you can buy wine from the domain uh, there as well, uh, then it's a really convenient day's drive from well, the I, I think we've, you've just explained how the collection has come around. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, the, the basic of the, the chat the bought the chateau is very main, strong. I, I don't want to give away the whole article. Do give away, do read the article, please. I probably t- told you more than you should do uh, about the lunchtime read. But yeah, it explains. Uh, but it's a great stop on the A6, just north of Bowen. If you come off at Nuit Saint-Georges, if you really haven't got enough wine by that point, um, <laughs> it is a convenient day's drive from the tunnel. And there you can do an overnight, visit that next morning, then go on to where you want to go. No, that's a good article. That I like that. Mad, but I like it. Oh, it's totally bat poo. Andrew, list of the week. List of the week. I won't waffle um, about this. This is uh, from Haggerty, uh, written by Richard Hesseltine. And 11 sports cars powered by the Rover V8. Alan, have you got one car? Because there are some... There are uh, there's some I didn't know existed, uh, and there are others I did know, but it is a lovely list. There's a, it's a great list, isn't it? It's a, I'm going to choose the... I've just lost it. The Wolf Race Sonic. There we go. We have the root <laughs> Wolf Race Sonic. Because six wheels are always better than four. The Pink Panther should be driving it or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, to show off uh, uh, Wolf Race Pepper Pot wheels. Yeah. Yes. Do you have one? There's, there's quite a few uh, yeah, on the list. I, there, I, but mine's oh, it's probably... In, in this exalted company, is quite dull, but... I would be very happy with the MGB GTVA. Yes, yes, yes. I would. Do. I would be incredibly, particularly that one that's in the picture. That looks lovely. It does, doesn't it? Yes, I, I, yeah. That's that to me is the right spec as well. Yeah. But honestly, any any that are in this list would, yeah, not a problem, mm-hmm. not a problem. As long as I, with some of them, I, I had a garage I could trust. Yes, yes. And finally, this week, where is it from, Alan? <laughs> It's 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 from Paris. <laughs> the French episode. <laughs> yes, specifically, it's at the meeting of the uh, Rue de Rivoli, uh, Rue du Pont Louis Philippe, and Rue Vieille du Temple, just on the north edge of the uh, north edge of the Seine, there near the Hotel de Ville, and it's this it's a crossroads which, thanks to many different bits of traffic calming being added on mean that it's not actually possible to get out of it again so you can drive in one direction and then you find that one route is only for bicycles one route is only for local vehicles and taxis uh one route is uh is buses stuff coming towards your buses uh and then when you want to do a u-turn you're not actually allowed to do the u-turn either because going back the way you came you're not actually allowed cars down there either so it all got a little bit silly. The deputy mayor got involved and said that a sign would be installed very quickly. But in actual fact, the sign that's been installed means there's no vehicles allowed whatsoever. I was, uh, to be honest, I, I expected to see uh, residents or, or people visiting there just go, right, I'll park my car here and just block so just go, the entire oh, junction. Just go, <laughs> Uh, I just just don't care really. So so yes. So there's there'll be a link to uh, another article from Connexion, uh, but as well as that, there's a link to the video that the Tim Traveller did uh, yes, during the week on on this. Uh, he is excellent. Uh, do subscribe, um, etc. Uh, but yes, his his describes it in his own inimitable fashion. So uh, so it's it's cracking stuff there. Yep, I like that one. That did make me chuckle. Yes, yeah, it was one of those things where as soon as I saw it coming up on connection on Twitter, then it was like that. That is the end finally for the week. Yeah, and once again, we can't we can't share the excellence of driving gloves. And I know some of our listeners, because we have had conversations on Twitter, 
are very disappointed that we have not shared the excellence of driving gloves and they have had to find out for themselves a driving glove they wanted just no with the driving gloves uh so i'll just parish notes before we finish up uh, and before he talks about driving gloves uh anymore don't forget still the special edition from a fortnight ago with chris pollock talking about car and classic uh and uh online auctions and 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 selling cars and that kind of stuff uh which is 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 it well it's good it was great fun to to record as well uh this friday will be special edition this this yep. Friday, there will be a special edition. There we go. I've recorded it already. Uh, I just need to, to to do a little bit of editing on that. But that should be out at 7 o'clock on Friday morning. Which is us for the week, I believe. Oh, well, I think we should tease. I think we should tease and tell everyone they need to tune in next week because there will be an announcement. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, a yes. A special be- announcement. Oh, a special announcement, not just an announcement. Okay, yes, there will be an announcement because we did a shocking thing and actually planned stuff for once uh so yes there will be an episode 400 announcement there we go that's me winding it up a little bit more anyway stop waffling there's still a few more episodes between now and then so don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget about our patreon offer and any of the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such thing andrew best way to keep in touch with you Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more French news, what's the best way for them to find out and uh, get well, in touch with you? <laughs> I, I recommend a subscription to the Connexion. It's the English language <laughs> French newspaper. Uh, I can send you the link if you get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back, as we said, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues and safe motoring.